first started our marriage, um, really I thought the strength was being able to do everything myself, um, being able to handle anything that came along, um, being able to provide for the family uh, financially, being able to succeed at the job, and uh, doing that all, not needing any outside help, and, and not looking for any outside help either. So life in the military can be very, very, what is, it is very demanding. You do have to always, you know, put on that tough, tough face that, you know, everything's okay. And more often than not, it's not. I'm just gone in and out, in and out, and I'm working long hours. It's a very dog-eat-dog -dog world. Everybody's trying to succeed. You present yourself as an invincible entity that doesn't get bothered by family stuff, that uh, doesn't need to talk about mental health, that always has their marriage together. We are experts at compartmentalization. We're able to take an emotion and kind of pack it up and, and just stick it away. However, it's, it's critical for your health that you eventually go back and unpack that emotion and deal with it and the consequences that come along with it. Uh, because if you don't, you're just gonna end up with an entire room full of these undealt with um, emotions and events and wounds. And I think that's kind of where I was when we came back to Charleston. Our marriage was in need of a lot of healing, in, in need of a lot of communication. And one of the things that I ended up doing is taking a step away from work a little bit. I left active duty and uh, started flying out here for the reserves. I think the easiest, the plainest way to put it is that I realized I couldn't do it all by myself, um, that I needed community, that I needed Jesus Christ, um, you know, that I needed a support system to create this healthy life that Lauren and I had already always dreamed of. We got plugged back into Seacoast. We jumped into a small group and it was awesome. It was a great, great group of people, but Noah and I just felt so called to start our own for military families specifically, because we know a lot of military families do attend Seacoast and that just, yeah, we just wanted to start one. For, we know there's a need there and we wanted to fill that void for some people and see if we could make a difference in people's lives. <laughs> To sum up military service, I would say it's an absolute honor and it's something that looking back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that um, at all. Not, not a single day, I, I wouldn't change it. Uh, however, it brings to the table just a lot of different stressors. Uh, you know, the military divorce rate is higher than civilian divorce rate. Military suicide rate is higher than uh, civilian suicide rate. Our heart is to just create an environment that is uh, safe, where you can be vulnerable, where you can talk about the things that maybe you can't talk about at your shop, and where there's just unwavering support for, for the people around you. Wow, can you help me thank uh, Noah, as well as all of those who serve our armed forces in any, any form or fashion? So grateful. You know, uh, we filmed this before the events of this past couple of weeks took place. And uh, just 
for Noah to share some of the toll that it takes and some of the impact it takes on the mental health. And we know that there are many of you uh, who serve in armed forces, or maybe you have served in armed forces, and especially in light of what's happening in Afghanistan. We just want to say this is a place that appreciates you. This is a place that is grateful for you. This is a place that's going to just honor you and the sacrifice that you've made for our country. And so um, also want to let you know that because of your generosity, we've already sent uh, money. We're already working on the ground in Afghanistan to help people who are being persecuted in this this time. And so that's already happening uh, because of your generosity. We're continuing to uh, look for partnerships, and we've got some conversations that will be happening this week to see how we can even further that. But we are involved. You are involved by just being a part of this church family. And so why don't we take a moment, though, and just pray for what's happening in Afghanistan before we jump into the content for this week's message. Uh, God, right now, we just come before you, and we know that you are sovereign. Uh, We know that, Lord, what happened over the last couple of weeks is not a surprise to you. And so we just pray, God, that you and your sovereignty would just protect, that you would fight for, that you would listen to the cries of your people. We pray for every uh, American that's in Afghanistan right now. We pray, Lord, that you would help them to safely get out. We pray for every person who is in danger, every Christ follower, every pastor, uh, every person who assisted the efforts uh, in Afghanistan. We just pray, Lord, your protection and your provision over them. We do know, God, historically that your church has shined under persecution. And so we just pray, God, in the midst of all of the terrible stuff that's happening over there, God, that your church, that you, Jesus, would be magnified, would be glorified in the midst of all of it, and that you would work all things together uh, for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And so your will be done, your kingdom come, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, um, would you guys agree with me that uh, we are more connected now through technology than we've ever been in history? Anybody, anybody argue that? We're definitely more connected. In fact, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us at one of our campuses, which is connected through technology. We take it for granted, but man, who would have thought you know, 20 years ago that we'd be able to do church in the way that we do church? And those of you that are joining us online from all over the country, all over the world, in fact, put in the chat, if you're watching online, where are you watching from? Where are you connecting from? I love to see the way that our world is so connected and there's so much good that comes with that. Uh, this past summer, Lisa and I and the kids were able to spend a couple of days in Colorado. And uh, Lisa and I decided we wanted to go do a hike that she was really excited about. It's called Emerald Lake, and it's probably a two-mile hike, uh, but you're probably five or six miles away from cell phone reception. And so we were out there. We were kind of by ourselves without the kids. We did have people watching the kids, just in case you're worried about that. We, did, we didn't leave them uh, at the base of the trail, but we're hiking. We're two miles in. We get to this beautiful landscape, uh, just so incredible. We sit down. We had packed a lunch, and we just had lunch talked about life, talked about what we've been going through. And as we wrapped up lunch, we were going to leave and we we're like, this is a great place for a picture. Let's see if somebody will take a picture for us. So we turn around and there's a couple of women uh, sitting above us. And we're like, hey, would you mind taking a picture? And she's like, yeah, that's great. And so, you know, I'm doing my thing, sucking in, you know, as long as I can. And, and she's getting ready to take the picture. And her friend goes, hey, are you Josh Surratt? I'm thinking, oh gosh, what have I just said over the last couple of minutes? I hope I didn't, you know, but then I thought, you know, it's probably worse for her than me. You know, just be careful. We could be anywhere. You know, just you, you can't get away from your pastors. But so, so we're just talking. We're like, yeah, yeah, tell me about your story. And I assume she must be from Charleston vacationing. And she was vacationing in Colorado, but she wasn't from Charleston. 
Uh, she's a part of our church family. In fact, she was like, we knew you were out here somewhere because of social media. So I felt like she might have been stalking me a little bit. But, um, and I'm like, well, where are you from? And she lives in Illinois, part of Illinois that I've never been to before. And I'm like, well, well how did you hear about Seacoast? And she says, well, actually, I heard about it from my daughter. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's the connection. She must live in Charleston or South Carolina. She said, no, my daughter lives in, in Iowa. Uh, none of us have ever been to South Carolina, but we're part of the church. We love the church, and it's, it's such a cool thing. And so I thought I'd show you a picture. Say hey to Sally Henderson. She's a seacoaster that lives in Illinois. And so hey, Sally. Hey, Anna. We're glad you guys are, are with us. Um, yeah, Lisa and I are walking away going, man, it is just amazing how connected we are. And, and it's so cool. But did you know, did you know that while we are more connected around the world than ever through technology, that we're also as lonely as we've ever been in recorded human history? Did you know that? That self-reported loneliness is at an all-time high in history. We have more access to other people, quicker access to other people, but apparently more shallow access to other people because loneliness is at an epidemic level. Did you know that just a couple of stats for you, 10,000 people per month search on Google for how to deal with loneliness. So that's 10,000 people per month that aren't just lonely, but that actually are lonely to the point that they're going to Google to see if they can get some answers and see if they can get some help. I was reading an article that came out this year from Harvard Business Review, and here's what it says. I want to read a little bit of it to you. Social psychologists define loneliness as the gap between the social connections that you would like to have and those that you feel that you experience. And so loneliness, you may look at somebody and go, surely they're not lonely. They've got, but loneliness is the gap between the, the, the social connections that you desire and the social connections that you have. A national 2019, and keep in mind that's before the pandemic, survey led by health insurer Cigna found out that 61% of Americans report feeling lonely. 61%, 6 out of 10. Books like Bowling Alone by uh, Malkin Professor of Public Policy Emeritus Robert D. Putnam have highlighted the decline of social capital in the United States. But more recently, loneliness has become a serious issue of public health. In 2017, former U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy called loneliness a public health epidemic, a public health epidemic because of loneliness. In fact, did you know that the UK, the, the, in England, they appointed in 2018 a cabinet-level secretary called the Minister of Loneliness, the Minister for Loneliness. Adam Martin thought that sounded like a Harry Potter character, which uh, my parents didn't let us read that witchcraft, so I don't know what he's talking about, but... But so a, a minister of loneliness, like they have, it's, it's risen to the point that it's like, we've got to put somebody that reports to the prime minister to help us deal with this issue of loneliness. So loneliness is a problem, but, but it's not just an emotional problem. It's not just a spiritual problem. It's actually, it's a physical problem. L listen to what this article continues to say. The health implications of loneliness have become clearer over time. According to the research of Julianne Holt Lundstad, professor of psychology and neuroscience at Brigham Young University and her colleagues, the heightened risk of mortality from loneliness equals that of smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being an alcoholic. D did you hear that? 
the, the physical impact of loneliness, the mortality rate because of loneliness is equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Now, some of you may be wondering, where did Josh get a pack of cigarettes? We just sent the parking team out in the parking lot to check your cars until they found one. You know, but actually, I, I borrowed one from, from Brandon Lake, the worship team. They've always got an extra pack. Of, or, I'm just kidding. They don't. They don't. But, but, but I wanted you to, to see that loneliness, that there's 20, I didn't know this, I looked, there's 20 cigarettes per pack in here. So just about a pack a day of smoking cigarettes has the same impact on your physical health as does being lonely. Being an alcoholic has the same physical impact on you, the same mortality rate as being lonely. That is insane. And then they go on to say that the, the um, mortality from loneliness exceeds the health risks associated with obesity. And, and so, man, it is a big deal. Some of you are like, man, it's, it's better to be obese than lonely. So you can have that dessert today as long as you're with a friend, right? But if you don't have a friend and you're eating the dessert, please don't smoke cigarettes. That's like a combination <laughs> that, that could kill us. But, but loneliness is just at an all-time high. And, and researchers are now actively studying the mechanisms by which loneliness affects health, including its relationship with inflammation and harmful changes in DNA expression. If you're stressed chronically, your body may be in a low-level fight-or-flight response all the time. So what are we looking at? What we are looking at is whether some people are in a chronic state of mild inflation or inflammation in your body because of loneliness. Wow. So we've got a cabinet level position trying to solve this problem. It's having a huge impact on our, on our health. But did you know loneliness is not a new problem? It's not a problem that we're just now figuring out. God saw this problem thousands of years ago. In fact, did you know that the first problem that God solved in the Bible was not a sin problem? The very first problem that God solved in the Bible was the problem we're talking about today, loneliness. He had created the planet. He had created creation. There was no sin involved whatsoever. And he looked down in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, and he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good. Loneliness is a problem. It was a problem thousands and thousands of years ago, and it's still a problem today. And I believe that as God looks at his church, as God looks at this world, he looks and he says, it's not good. This loneliness, it's not, it's not good. He knew long before Harvard figured out that loneliness would have a, an impact on our physical health, that loneliness was not his intention for his children. And so, so what do we do about it? What do we do? about this issue of loneliness. I'm glad that you asked. We're starting a brand new series for the next four weeks, and it's called ISO. And I know that there are some of you that are like, what in the world does that mean? Uh, those of you that, that do some shopping on Facebook Mar Marketplace that have done this, help me out. ISO stands for what? In search of. In search of. If you're looking for a refrigerator, you know, ISO, a refrigerator. If you're looking for a car, ISO. Well, I wonder what it would look like for us to really evaluate. What are we in search of? We're searching for, for solutions to this problem. A lot of us are trying to solve the, the loneliness problem in, 
in ways that can be destructive, even, even pile on to the impacts of, of loneliness. We're searching for, for the, 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 the solution in various ways. But I want us for the next couple of weeks to look together in God's word. to go. What would he say to us about loneliness? Did you know that God says a ton about friendship? There are hundreds of verses where I'm going to read a bunch of them to you today, but God's word says a lot to us about loneliness and about what it looks like to be in search of a friend. So the title of today's message is in search of a friend because we go to a lot of different places. Some of us think, well, I'll solve the loneliness thing by getting married. And that makes a lot of sense, except for the fact that married people report being lonely at just about as high of a percentage as non-married people. So marriage doesn't just solve the problem. What we need is authentic Christian community. We need friends. But I want to caution you as we jump into it. Not any friend will do. In fact, Proverbs verse, chapter 12, verse 26 says this. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. God's word says, man, if, if we're going to go looking for friends, we have to be careful. Because our friends have a major impact on our lives. Would you agree with me on that? Most research would say that the difference between where you are right now and where you're going to be five years from now is basically the people that are closest to you. Maybe some of the books that you're reading, maybe some of what you're putting in, but it's the people that are closest to you. So I want to share just a few principles out of God's word as we are in search of a friend. The first thing that I want to encourage all of us is as we're looking for friends, Minimize our exposure to toxic friends. We got to minimize our exposure to toxic friends. How many of you have some toxic friends? Just be honest. Don't point. Some of y'all point. Don't point. Okay. You know what it is to be around a toxic friend. Well, here's what I want to tell you. It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It's impossible for you to live the right life, the life that God has planned for you. He set out for you with the wrong friends. Uh, there's a few different types of friends. In fact, Proverbs probably lists about 10. I'm going to give you three or four that would kind of fall into that toxic category that you just got to be careful. You got to be careful. Minimize your exposure. Number one, minimize your exposure to arguing friends, argumentative friends. Look at Proverbs 20 and verse three. It says, any fool can start arguments. The honorable thing is to stay out of them. Any fool can start an argument. Some of you guys have a friend that just loves to argue. You know who I'm talking about. Their, their name is coming to mind right now. They just love to fight. They love to argue. They're an expert on every subject, and they just enjoy proving that. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Vaccines, masks, that's small-time stuff. Anybody can argue about that. They'll argue about that all day long, but you throw out Britney Spears, let's fight. You know, I'll argue about that. I know, you know it doesn't matter. Just throw out a topic. We'll fight about it. We'll argue about it. Some of you know, some of you maybe have some of those tendencies. And by the way, as I'm talking through some of these toxic friends, most likely some of us are going to get hit by this list ourselves. That's okay. You don't have to be that kind of person. We can repent. We can, God can help us as we're growing in our relationship with him to move away from some of this. So I'm hoping for some of us, there'll be some, some moments where God speaks to us and goes, I don't want to be that kind of friend. But, but some of us have have just got these argumentative friends. Man, they can't help themselves when it comes to a comment section on the internet. Oh, Lord, help me. They are just going to go after it. They're going to say what they want to say, and they're going to throw And the internet calls them trolls, right? But here's, here's what God's word says about them. Proverbs 26 and verse 17. 
Listen to this verse. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Isn't that great? Think about that. You're hanging out with your kids at a park or a playground, and a mangy, stray, pit bull-looking dog walks up. The last thing you're going to do is grab that thing by the ears. What happens when you grab that dog by the ears? You get bit, right? You're running. You will be flying. I'm telling you, a year or so ago, I was in Montana, and I went for a run. Uh, and it was in the middle of nowhere, and I was getting ready to leave, and one of my guys that was, lives there said, hey, you might want to bring some bear spray. I was like, ah, that's for wimps. I don't need bear spray. And so I'm about a mile and a half into a run, and all of a sudden, I am surrounded by five mangy, German shepherd-looking stray dogs, and all I can see is the whites of their teeth. You know what I didn't do? Pull them by the ear. That's not what you do in a situation like that. What I did do is I yelled at them in the hopes that they would back down. And when they didn't, I kicked one of them in the face, just full transparency, because you don't pull a dog's ear if you're getting attacked by it. You, you got to do whatever you can do to survive. And, and the Bible says, man, if you're the kind of person that you just can't help yourself but to get involved in an argument, that's as dumb as grabbing a stray dog by the ear. And if you're, if you're hanging out with those kinds of people, they are going to drag you down. They're, they're not going to be helpful. We got to minimize our exposure to, to the argumentative friends. Another kind of friends that the Bible talks a lot about is gossiping friends. Gossiping friends. Minimize your exposure to gossiping friends. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Proverbs 16, 28 really speaks to how gossip impacts friendships. A perverse person stirs up conflict. And a gossip separates close friends. Some of you know what it is to have a friendship broken up, separated because of gossip. Because, because somebody betrayed a confidence. And, and I hate to say it. I'd love to think that, man, in the church, we're kind of above that. But gossip, it, 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 it's prevalent everywhere. It's prevalent in the church. Let me give you a definition. What is gossip? Gossip is sharing damaging information when I'm not part of the problem or the solution. When I share damaging information about somebody else, I'm not part of the problem. I'm not part of the solution. I'm destroying friendships. I'm doing damage to relationships. And, and it doesn't matter, by the way, if you start it with, hey, I have a prayer request. That's what we like to do. In the church world, hey, guys, I'd like for you to pray for Susie. She's been cheating, and I heard about that through so-and-so, and there's a private detective on it. We just need to pray. You know what? That's not part of the solution. Prayer, pray by yourself, but spreading that kind of information couched in a prayer request is still gossip. It's still spreading slanderous information. And I've seen small groups broken up over it. I've seen friendships broken up over it. We've, we've all seen it, and, and we've probably all been guilty, okay? So this isn't like a, hey, let's just... Act like we're holier than thou. No, but, but we've got to notice, man, when we're around people and they start gossiping, what if we just created a culture where we just didn't, didn't tolerate it? It's like, hey, I'm sure, I'm sure, thank you. I'm sure that's important, but I don't, I don't know that I'm a part of the solution there, and I don't know that I need to get dragged into that. Like, I'm just not going to be the kind of person that gossips because it, it will destroy your friendships. Another kind of friendship, I'm not even going to talk about it, flattering friends. The Bible says, those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. It's dangerous. The Bible says that wounds from a friend can be trusted, but kisses from an enemy 
be careful. Somebody who just flatters you, stay away. Don't, don't let them in the, in the close circle of friends. And then one more that I'll talk about, and I'm telling you, the Bible, read the book of Proverbs. As we go into this series, some of you may want to just read a proverb a day, and there will be others that, that, they talk, that, that Solomon talks about that will damage you. But the last one I want to hit on is loose-tempered friends. Loose-tempered friends. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. I love the way the message version says it. It says, don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. We're all worried about a pandemic. We're worried about coronavirus. We're wearing masks. If you get around a loose-tempered person, you better put a mask on. So that is contagious, and it will, it will, it, it'll, you'll catch it. That's why in our home, we don't listen to talk radio. We call it anger porn. We just don't allow for it because it's, it's all it does is just get you riled up and get you angry. And, and Proverbs is like, hey, be careful. Proverbs 29, verse 11, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. You know, often to address our loneliness, some of us will end up just settling for really shallow relationships rather than then on a weekend like this, Connect Weekend, where we're inviting you, by the way, I'm not going to set up the problem without helping you with a solution. We're inviting you to be a part of a group of community that's going to help you grow. Instead of taking those steps that are maybe take a little bit more time and investment, we settle for shallow relationships. Rather than learning to love each other, we simply settle for just hating the same things. We're like, well, you know, what? I'm just going to be around people that hate the same things that I do. Behavioral psychology has a name for this. It's called common enemy intimacy. Common enemy intimacy, where we just, we're going to rally around the things that we're against. And you know what? It's, it's really shallow. It has a short shelf life, and it's the cheapest form of intimacy. You know, there are a lot of people that are angry about the same things in life, but still feel lonely. Don't have that, that intimacy, that desire for connection that God has put in our hearts. So minimize your exposure. Minimize your exposure. And I want to address kind of attention as we talk about that, because I know some of you are like, hey, wait a minute. Jesus was a friend of sinners, and you're, you're right. He was. I'm not saying that we like put a scarlet letter on anybody who has these issues and we never hang out with them again. But you know what else Jesus did? Is Jesus was very intentional about his closest circle of friends. He healed thousands. He loved everybody. But he had about 72 that were his disciples, and then 12 of them that they did life with on a daily basis. And then there were about three of them that, were, that, that they were holding each other accountable. He was mentoring and pouring into. And so if you want the difference between your life right now and five years from now to be growing spiritually, to be you know, somebody who is healthier emotionally, spiritually, physically, pay attention to that close circle of friends. Minimize your exposure to toxic friends. Second thing we do is we prioritize exposure. To godly friends. Prioritize your exposure to godly friends. I just want to quickly, I hope this is helpful for you. Four types of friends that we all need. Four types of friends that you and I, we all need, and we need to prioritize exposure, spend time around these kinds of people. Number one is I need a friend who will care for me. I need a friend who will care for me. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one there to help, tough. Some of us know exactly what that feels like. Tough. We, we need somebody to, to care for us, 
to help us, to come alongside of us. Because, you know, you've heard it said you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm. And we all need somebody who, when we're in those storms, when we're in those hard places in life, we just have people that are going to care for us. You need that person that's going to go, hey, I'll start the meal train. <laughs> I'll send out the text. I'm going to be there. I want to help you. And, and by the way, not everybody's great at that stuff. And, and you're probably not going to have one friend that fits all four of these types of friends we need. But you, you better have somebody that'll help you and care for you. I know for me, I need help. I need a lot of help in a lot of different ways, but especially with stuff around my house. I just am not good at the, the fixing stuff. And uh, Josh Walters is one of those friends of mine that is handy and has helped me. And I've got a door that's just got a small problem. It's got a big hole in it. It's not a big deal. I've been delaying it for a year or so to fix it, but a little, little hole in the, in the door and said, Josh, help me out, help me get a door. And I painted the door and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put this thing up on my own. It was one eighth of an inch off. And I thought, that's not a big deal. We'll just kind of make that thing work and jam it in. And, and I mean, I need a friend who will help me. It didn't work. And that door is now in my closet um, and, and the, the downstairs of my house. But we, we need just people. I, there are things I'm not good at. And some of y'all are judging me. You know what? Just because you can fix a door, there are things I'm good at that you're not good at. And, and we need each other, right? We need each other. We need a friend who's going to care for us and help us. Uh, another kind of friend that we need. I'm going to jump ahead to the next one. I need a friend who will encourage me. I need a friend who will encourage me. I love what Jesus said to his disciples. This is shortly after he had just told him, hey, I'm, I'm not just your master. I'm not just your Lord, but I'm, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I'm going to encourage you. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Man, we all need a friend who's just going to encourage us. Would you agree life can be hard sometimes? It can be draining sometimes. And man, you, you better have one, at least one in your close circle of friends that you can count on that's just going to encourage you, that's going to believe in you. I, I know for me, I have a number of them, those friends, but, but I think about Darren Patrick, who passed away a little over a year ago. And when Darren passed away, I, I went back and I looked through all of my text messages. And without fail, on Sunday mornings when I was preaching, I would get a message around 7, 7.30 that just from Darren that just would say something like, hey, hey, bro, you are God's man for this. Speak with boldness. Speak with confidence. God's appointed you for this moment. And it would just be one of those deals where some, some weekends I wasn't feeling that way. Some weekends I would be driving and I wasn't sure. But having just somebody that just goes, hey, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to make it part of my role as your friend to encourage you. Sean McCarthy, thanks for picking up the slack this morning and sending me that text. But just encouragement. I love you. I'm with you. The, the occupational hazard of leadership is discouragement. You're going to get down at times, and we just need people who will lift us up and encourage us. I need a friend who's going to care for me, who's going to encourage me. I need a friend who will partner with me, who will partner with me. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. You know, one plus one doesn't always equal two. Sometimes when we come together and we partner with the right people, <clears throat> that's called synergy. One plus one equals three, four, five. We get so much more done together when we have the kinds of friends that will partner with us. And here's what I know about everybody in this room, everybody watching online. I'm even looking at you guys in Conway. 
You are all created with a purpose. God has given you a purpose on this planet Earth. It's more than just having friends who will have a beer with you and watch the game. That's wonderful. But man, life is so much more than that. That's why I'm so grateful for so many of you who partner with us as a part of our dream team who go, you know what, man, when I jump in and I serve alongside of another person, maybe in a Kids Coast classroom or reaching out to the next generation, man, we get more return for our work. We, we see greater kingdom impact and, and we need people who will just partner with us. Who will go, you know what, Josh, I realize you can't care for 15, 20,000 people. I'm going to start a small group like Noah and Lauren did in my home. And there's a little niche that we think we can help with people in the military. And I'm going to partner. And now we're reaching more people. More people are being cared for that would never be able to be cared for if it was just me or just staff members. It's all of us going, man, we're going to partner together to care for each other, to, to make a difference, to, to make an impact. And some of you are, are new to Seacoast. Maybe you're here for the first time, or you've just been coming for a little bit. We're so glad you're here, but I just want to address, some of you may be wondering, yeah, I wonder if I'm too new, or I wonder if I figured out you can be part of our team. You can partner with us at any point in your spiritual journey. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be theologically, you know, at, at this place of a theologian. We're, we're all working that stuff out. We'll help you with that, but you can join the dream team at any point, we'd love for you to partner with us because two are greater than one and three is even greater than that. I love Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I always read that verse and I thought of it as like, I am Christ's workmanship. You know, like, you know, that, that, that you know, I'm a masterpiece and I probably even told you that and I think it's true. But the verse actually says that we are, that when each of us, with the gifts that God has given us, with the, 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 the wiring that he's given us, when we come together and partner together, that that creates a masterpiece. That creates a healthy church. That creates this beautiful thing, this environment, this ecosystem where people don't have to be lonely anymore, where they can come in and connect and grow in their faith and make a difference. We all need a friend. Who's going to partner with us? The last one, and there are others, but the last one I want to hit today is I need a friend who will protect me. I need a friend who will protect me. John 16, 1, Jesus, same conversation he was having, by the way, in John 14. Uh, he, he breaks it up into three or four different chapters the, 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 the John did, and here's what he said. All of this that I've been talking to you guys about, all of this time, I've washed your feet and I've kind of been preparing you. All of this, why? So that you will not go astray. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect you. Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Y'all, we all need a friend who will protect us. What do I mean by that? I mean somebody who will see our blind spots. I mean somebody who's going to help hold us accountable. Somebody who's going to see to it, who's going to be invested in our future and our success and our, if you're married in your marriage, if you're single, they're going to be invested in you doing singleness with purity. They're going to be somebody who's going to be willing to ask you the hard questions. Somebody who, I love the way that, that Greg, my dad says it. He says, everybody needs to sit at a table where people love them, but aren't impressed with them where they're willing to ask him the hard questions. I think about Michael Morris for me, one of the pastors on our staff. He's always been that for me. And, and what he used to do, I don't know if he still does it in his small group, but what he would do for me, we would connect 
we would have these accountability conversations. When I was going through a really tough time in my marriage, he was helping me process through it. And he had this card that he'd ask me with seven questions. I'm going to give you the questions real quick. He would ask me questions like this. Have you been in a compromising situation this week? Have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Have you viewed any sexually explicit material? Have you spent quality time in Bible study and prayer? Have you given priority time to your family? Have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? Can I tell you what it is to have somebody who's willing to ask you questions like that? By the way, some of you guys are are in small groups. I'm praying that a lot of you are going to make a decision now to jump into a small group during the series. This would be a great list of questions to just run through every now and then in your small group. And my favorite is the last one. Have you lied to me on any of the previous questions? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a good question to ask. All right. Yeah, I was, I was wrong. I was baloney on number two or whatever. Yeah, but, but just somebody that's going to protect you. That's going to, man, they're going to, they're going to walk with you. They're going to hold you accountable because the Bible says that the, the, the enemy of our soul, Satan is prowling around like a lion, just waiting for an opportunity to take you down. And, and when we think about our friendships, man, our, the enemy wants to isolate us and take us down. Man, I'm thinking about those of you that are our small group leaders here at Seacoast. Do you know you have a target on your back? Do you know that the frustrations, the stuff that you've dealt with, that's not just you know, random. The enemy wants to take you down. You need a friend who's going to protect you. You need a friend who's going to care for you. You need a friend who's going to encourage you. You need a friend who's going to partner with you. Where do you find a friend like that? You know, you're in a pretty good environment right now. Wherever you're sitting at Seacoast, you're, you're among some pretty great people. And I just want to encourage you to take some steps today to get connected. My last point on the outline sheet is that simply to have great friends, I need to be a great friend. A lot of us are like, man, if only I had, if I could just find, if, you know, you know what would be a better approach? If I would just start trying to become that person, who, who in my life could I encourage today? Who in my life could I partner with to lighten their load, care for, protect? If I just become the kind of person that starts asking those questions, guess what? People are going to want you on their inner circle. <laughs> People are going to need you because we need each other. And in order to to, to find those great friends, we've got to become one. How do I become a great friend? Come back next week. We're going to really explore what does it look like for us to cultivate behaviors, attitudes, and actions that will help us be great friends. And so I, I, I'm over time. I, I want to close, and I, I just want to encourage you as we come to a close. Thousands and thousands of years ago, God looked at humanity and said, it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And I just wonder if there are some of us that are here today, that if we were just real honest with ourselves and our evaluations, we feel lonely. We feel isolated. And I just want to encourage you, you're in the right place. God continues to look down and go, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone, but he didn't stop there. He, he provided a solution to the problem. And you know, as we... It's Connect Weekend here and at all of our campuses. And I just want to encourage you. We're going to do response time in a moment, and we're going to open up all of our stations. 
But did you know you could, you could go to the cross, you could go to the candles, you could take communion and not move the needle one bit on this issue of loneliness in your life? What I would really invite you to do is take a few moments. We've got people out in the breezeway at our campuses. We've got connection opportunities for you online. Take, take a, a few moments to go talk to somebody, connect with somebody. Who knows? You may connect with somebody that ends up being one of those life-giving, godly friends in your life. A great start for all of us would be to make sure that we've sorted out our relationship with God. You know, Jesus said there's no greater friend than the one who lays his life down for another. There's only one friend that did that for you, and that's Jesus Christ, who went to the cross to protect you from your sin, out of care and compassion for you, so that we could partner with him in his mission. And the greatest environment to find great friends is when you share the same mutual friend of Jesus. And so I would just encourage some of you that today, your, your decision to go, man, yeah, I feel lonely. Yeah, I'm trying to move the needle. It's not just going to be other friendships, but man, we got we to gotta take a step to get connected, to say yes, to invite Jesus to be the Lord of our life, but then also to be a friend who will walk with us through the tough times. He's the only one that will never leave you or forsake you. And so would you guys pray with me as we close? God, I'm just so grateful for this church family. And God, you have just burdened my heart in such a, a, a serious way, God, that we need each other. We need you. God, we can't walk through this life lonely. It is not good for us to be alone. And so, God, I pray that this weekend would be a turning point for so many of us. Some of us, God, today, we're saying, God, we need you. We want to invite you, God, to be our friend. But, but God, but knowing, Lord, that you've already done, you've already done so much more than we could ever do in return. We just want to receive the free gift of salvation, that you died for our sin. Some of us are trapped in a cycle of, of sin that we can't get out of on our own. And the only way we're going to get out of that is to reach up our hand and say, God, would you help me? I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Would you set me on a new path? And God, I just pray, God, that in all of our campuses today, that there would just be divine appointments and connections and relationships that are going to help us live life differently. Lord, that those of us that are feeling lonely, we're going to find some friends and we're going to put the investment in and we're going to see you do more than we could ask or imagine. So God, your will be done today. Your kingdom come in this church, in our lives, in our friendships, as it is in heaven. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, um, like I said, we're going to respond. Uh, and some of you are new to Seacoast and it's funny when people move away and, and, and go look at other churches and find another church in a new city or whatever. Uh, I'll often hear back, man, we love our church, but we miss response time. <laughs> we just hate that we don't have that time. And we've just carved out some time for you to really process what is God saying to you today? And what are you going to do about it? And for some of us, again, I, I would encourage you, use the response stations. I don't want to minimize that. But man, today, my prayer for you, I don't have some goal that I'm trying to reach. I want to see you connected in community. It's going to help you. This world is hard. I, I don't know that I've ever lived in more challenging times than this last year or so. And we don't need to try to navigate this stuff on our own. We don't need to try to sort out truth from, you know, whatever on our own. We need each other. We need community. 
And so please take some time to connect with some people in the breezeway. You can text connect to 320-320. We will follow up with you. We will help you get connected. We got inside track uh, right after this service that you can come be a part of that. Uh, and, and, and you'll probably meet some friends that, that may end up becoming a place for you to find a small group. But we want to see you get connected. Some of us, when I was talking about toxic friends, you know, maybe there's some toxic behaviors, toxic attitudes in your own life. I know I've always am dealing with, with some. I feel like it's like whack-a-mole. You get one of them under control, and then there's another one that creeps up. You know, but man, let's go to the cross. Say, God, I don't want to be this kind of person. I don't want to be angry anymore. Would you help me to forgive? Would you help me to receive your forgiveness? I don't want to destroy friendships with gossip. I don't, that, I, that's not who I am. That's not who you've called me to be. We're going to go to the cross. Some are going to go to the communion stations and take communion. Some will light candles. Maybe there's a, a friendship that's been severed over so, something that, that man, it, it's, it's burdening you. Go to the candle and just pray for that person. Say, God, I, I want to I do whatever, as much as it depends on me, I want to live at peace. I want to restore that relationship. Some of us are going to give our tithes and offerings just out of a, a heart of gratitude for what God has done for us. And then we're going to worship the best friend that we could ever have. The friend that, that where we've all maybe been frustrated, we've all been hurt in a relationship. We have a friend in Jesus who will never disappoint us, who will never walk away from us. And we're going to sing and celebrate and worship him. So what's God saying to you today? Let's respond to him as a church.